So because Spark exists because of you, we have asked five of you to share in this journey with us some reflections based upon this amazing journey that we've been on and all centered around these core values of who we are. So um, very briefly, our first value is going to be love. And so we'd like to invite Sydney up to share. Would that be okay? Do you have the mic? Hey, everyone. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. And that's 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. I've been thinking personally a lot about this quote over the course of the past couple of months, and I'd actually like to share with all of you a personal reflection about how this incredible community at Spark has lived our core value of love in the context of that own experience and shown me that God is ever-present and working through this community in really incredible ways every day. In the spirit of vulnerability, the past few months have been a little bit difficult for me, I've been dealing with a stressful situation related to work, and to make things more complex like life often does, uh, my health started to deteriorate about a month ago, and I learned that I would need uh, kidney surgery. So I spent about a month shuttling between ERs and surgery centers and doctor's offices, tons of fun. And during that time, there were moments where I felt pretty lost, uh, scared, overwhelmed, helpless, a little like some of the verses that we read in Psalms where the speaker is crying out to God, wondering where the heck he is and why he's not there and why life has to be so particularly difficult. And as it often happens, it was actually in that moment of darkness that I was struck by just how deeply God is present, active, and working through our Spark community to radiate love. Like when Danielle and Kevin welcomed Adel and I into their homes with open arms on an early Saturday morning on their only day off during that week just to listen to how we were feeling and to try to find the ways in which they could uplift us and make us feel more human. Like when Marcus, in the middle of his very busy schedule, came to get pizza with us. And yes, for those of you who know Marcus Randolph, he actually came to a pizza place. Didn't eat pizza, but he attended. Um, And in the ways that he does best, cracked jokes uh, after a series of doctor's visits that left us in tears and our stomachs hurting more than they should with his magical sense of humor. Like when Kendra, despite her reluctance around the exuberance of our 80-pound dog, dropped off carnivals, and if uh, you don't know what a carnival is, it's the best fried dough dessert on the entire planet um, from Backyard in uh, Menlo Park, uh, to cheer us up right before a trip to the ER and prayed with us on our doorstep. Like how both Marcus and Kendra set up a meal train during post-surgery recovery, when we couldn't get around as easily because of all the medications and created this incredible circle of love that many of you participated in, like Rajesh, Yasi, Darren, Ling, and Sarah, who all helped us with freshly delivered meals. Like how Omer and Christine uh, not just were the first people who welcomed us with such radical love into this community, but also drove 30 minutes with their beautiful family and distracted us from what had been a challenging few weeks with Shake Shack conversation and Justice's ever-imaginative stories about a very complex character he invented called Green Alien. If you want to learn more, you should talk to him because it's pretty amazing. And beyond the context of just the last month of stress and illness, all those times that Sparkers have defaulted to love, like how the Arringtons opened up their home for our baptism, how Sophie has opened up her classroom for us to be able to connect with her high school students in more depth, the way that everybody here every Sunday welcomes new Sparkers like Adel and I were uh, just eight months ago with such acceptance and love every single weekend. The community that all of you have built here is amazing. It's like family, and I don't say that lightly. 
And to know that we have that kind of love surround us on a daily basis, regardless of the specific beliefs or thoughts or faith traditions that each of us hold on to is absolutely beautiful. When we as a community are faithful and loving to each other like this, in the ways that I've experienced with all of you in such a short period of time, and I know that all of you experience in very similar ways, that's what sums up what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Writer Pete N. says that, when we are, that we are most like God, not when we're certain that we're right about God, or when we tell others how right we are, but when we're acting towards one another, like the faithful father and son. And that's what I've experienced all of us do here at Spark. In our core values, we say we believe love works, love wins, and love absolutely changes everything. Being Spark means you will be loved, be challenged to love, and be transformed by love. And I've been personally transformed by the love of this community, and to that, I'm so grateful to all of you. So thank you so much. Thank you. And now I'd like to invite up Omer to come and share. I think that followers of Jesus living in the Bay Area at this time have something unique to share about the reputation of God. Some of you may be familiar with the comedy series on HBO called Silicon Valley. Um, they capture this theme, I think, very well at various times. In the latest season, there is a gay Christian app developer character who is very concerned about being outed as a Christian. And there's a, an entire plot line that revolves around that. And I think that in a lot of ways, there are many sparkers for whom that experience not only resonates, but um, it's also one that we embody. We, we actually understand the kind of criticism that could cause one to be concerned uh, about sharing who their, uh, their allegiances are to uh, on a theological or spiritual level. And um, there, there are a lot of us who may have come from uh, places where we're particularly attuned to the damage that followers of Jesus themselves can have on God's reputation. Uh, so much so that sometimes some of us may wonder, um, is there any value in rehabilitating that reputation? Is, it, uh, is the right path to go to just dissociate oneself from that reputation? And uh, amidst that tension, I think there is uh, another experience that many of us can also resonate with that I also think in many ways is special to the Bay Area. It is this experience that there, there's got to be something more to life than just what you can make with your own hands, that you can see uh, and experience, that perhaps the biggest questions that we have can be answered or searched for in something outside of ourselves. We have actually been talking recently, last week, Pastor Danielle in our series on Deuteronomy pointed out how um, we're at an interesting juncture in Silicon Valley in its search for uh, an ethical voice that many people within the tech communities that we operate in uh, have become open to uh, perhaps uh, going to the church uh, or looking into Jesus or God as a, a source to help make sense of what is the right thing to do amidst unlimited power and resources that we find ourselves in. And it's uh, both of these experiences that, that make me realize that um, it does not, it's not uh, with one 
uh, one-sided in um, the way we relate to the reputation of God in the Bay Area. Uh, in our own experiences, I think we have found that po possibly many of your coworkers find themselves asking these very deep questions and what you thought may have been hostility uh, towards uh, thinking through the possibility of Jesus having something meaningful to say about our context. Instead, they find that perspective refreshing and maybe are open to reconsidering it uh, in a new way after possibly having not thought very much about it for a very long time. When we encounter um, opportunities like that, chances to share with other people the what many of us feel very deep down inside that despite how poorly we may uh, reflect on God's reputation at times, deep down in our bones there is something utterly beautiful about God that we ache mm -hmm. to convey to others. And in doing that, I want us to think about two things that can uh, focus our attention on how, how we can convey that. One is that the, the Hebrew writer, in reflecting on um, where God's story has been heading towards in light of Jesus' life, begins her letter by saying, God has spoken in many times in many ways. So this is the, the manifold witness that we've experienced but in, the, in these days, the author says, God has spoken through God's son, Jesus. In that framing, you understand that what, what's happening is that there, there are many perspectives, even within the Bible itself, on what God is about. What, what does God care about? Who is God? And within the cultures that the Bible was written in, there were many experiences that those writers and, and speakers had that bear sometimes little resemblance to our own. But nevertheless, what you can anchor yourself on is that the loudest, clearest thing that God has ever said about God's self is Jesus. Jesus himself invites that attention onto himself when he says, if you want to know God, so if you want to know who God is, what God is like, think about me. We often uh, in this community grapple with really hard questions about the character of God revealed in the Bible and by people who follow Jesus. And whatever those questions are, we're here to grapple through them together, but it will be under the, the subtext that the, the clearest way to pursue those questions is to understand that the story runs through Jesus. The last thing that I want us to also anchor on when we think about the reputation of God is that God is big and God can handle all of the ways that we damage God's reputation in trying to reflect him on earth, trying to reflect God on earth. And we may become so sensitive to the idea of representing God on earth that we don't want to, to talk about Jesus in any public way. But I think there's uh, enormous value in just remembering that um, the, the, those profound limitations that you feel as a human, like how could I have something meaningful to say about the God of the universe? Um, God knows. God made humanity. God understands. There's a Bible scholar who often uh, describes this accommodation as God lets God's children tell the story. So yeah, of course, we will always get it wrong. I've gotten it wrong in the five minutes that I've been talking right now, but I wouldn't want that to prevent you from sharing what is in you about the God in whose image you were made. We're going to invite up Pamela now to come and share. Um, so our existence consists of three 
relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other in the community, and our care of um, the creation that, that God has so richly blessed us with. So we strive to demonstrate what God has blessed us with in all those relationships in how, in our attitudes and our behavior and how we relate in those three areas. Um, we want to heal broken spirits, mend broken relationships, create harmony with those we have differences with and um, distinctions. And we want to embrace work around racial and cultural reconciliation and also value religious and ideological education between Christians, Jews, and Muslims, which is demonstrated, as Pastor Danielle said, just by the nature of us being here and the relationship that we have with our, our brothers and sisters at, at ATS. So I believe that reconciliation is one of our hardest core values. The challenge of reconciliation is that it often comes from a place of deep, recent, or past pain. It requires risk and taking a chance where the outcome is uncertain and could result in additional loss. For me, reconciliation is all about connections, rebuilding damaged connections, severed connections, abused connections, non-existent connections. So for me, the process of reconciliation is initiating hard discussions with an intent to understand in an environment that allows all voices to be heard. Then wrestling with perspectives that are different from our own and considering the people and the context in which real lives are impacted. So I've been to two tours with Pastor Danielle and, and Pastor Kevin, and I learned the importance of seeing things in their context and understanding through the lenses of those experiencing and living through it. I think that's the core of reconciliation. And then at the base of reconciliation is love. Loving God with everything we are and loving our neighbors as ourselves. But to love someone is investing yourself in knowing them. When I reflect on reconciliation um, here at Spark, th there's lots of examples, but I just chose a, a, a few that, that came to mind right away. First was my involvement with the uh, racial and cultural reconciliation conversations um, and book club. Honestly, um, my initial inclination was not to take part in the conversations because my experience had always been one-sided with the burden of the conversation usually falling on the community or the person experiencing racism or bias. So, but at Spark, it was different. There was care and intentionality in engaging in discussions. The group was created the group created a space of vulnerability and compassion where everyone could hear and everyone could be heard. And face it, we all want to be heard. We all want to be seen. We all want our presence understood. 
So reconciliation requires vulnerability and feeling safe to stand in your own space, wherever that space is, wherever you are. I discovered, even joining later in the process, that it was easier to connect than I thought it would be. Reconciliation is about finding connections through understanding each other's stories and life experiences. And the beauty of that is when you make those connections, then the important questions start being asked. What can we do to change the narrative? What can I do individually? How can we work together? How can we bring others in? It's an important, important part of the narrative and just understanding where each person is in their own space and being able to work together to move past that. Secondly, I'm very passionate about being a part of the prayer team because I believe that connects us to God. That's why it's so important to me to be on the prayer team. Oftentimes, we need to be able to release the baggage of life. It's a huge way that we're reconciled to God by laying our cares on him and looking to him for direction. It gives my heart great joy to be a part of that process. And so that is me giving. But being a part of Spark is also receiving I know when um, my daughter was diagnosed with breast cancer and we were there digesting the news and confused how this could happen to a 35-year-old. And while we're, we were digesting all of that information um, on a Sunday and debating whether I should stay with the family or go to church, my son-in-law said, go to church. We need the prayers. We need the support. And that's what Spark gave all through the process, constant. So it's the giving of prayer, it's the receiving of prayer, and feeling God's love and the impact. And then again, when um, my father was sick and just a few months ago passed, it was going to the, or, or hearing the, the, the prayers and the support of all of the Sparkers here to help carry me through. And then during the services, it was looking up and seeing the faces that I love, the faces of the people that are here at Spark that came to me to support and encourage and lift up. So it's reciprocal. It's, it's giving and it's also learning and knowing how to receive. So Spark is a community that's willing to do the work. Knowing that we might not get it right initially, but we're committed to keep pushing to have the discussions, to wrestle, to consider, to learn, to change, to reconcile. I'm constantly challenged to take the risk because my voice is important, as are all the voices here at Spark. So I say to you, have the talk, even if you don't agree, and see what God does through it. And as part of the creation, open your eyes and look at all of the things that God has blessed us with. It's a reminder when we get in different spaces to appreciate and turn back to God. So being spark means becoming both restored and restorer, healed and healer, 
mended and mender, comforted and comforter. We are all reconciled through God, through his son, Jesus. Thank you, Pamela. I invite Stacy up. Our value of rescue is expressed in Isaiah 61, quoted by Jesus at the launch of his public ministry. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. In this body, we witness rescue on both personal and public levels. So God calls us to comfort all who mourn. We're a community of faith that sits with one another in the depths of grief and sorrow. As we've walked together as a church body these past seven years, we have weathered such great losses. But I look out, and I look out to you, and I remember so many loved ones who have passed from this life, plus tragedies like job loss and chronic illness, isolation and rejection from church and family. It's a lot. Often it can feel overwhelming. But as a church, we help one another to recognize God in the midst of suffering. And we are learning how to just be with one another, not offering empty platitudes or shallow positivity, but instead inviting God into those tender spaces, bearing witness to pain and walking alongside one another on the bumpy journey of healing, even when it comes in fits and starts. That is rescue. So God also calls us to bind up the brokenhearted. I can personally attest to this one. I spent the better part of a decade in a rocky relationship. Uh, A few weeks after its very dramatic end, I was sitting with Pastor Danielle when she leaned over to me and said, Honey, I pray that someday you'll be able to look back on this as an act of rescue. She and many of you stood with me while my heart was healed and I regained my footing. And I can indeed look back and see that as an act of rescue. I'm also grateful for this church body because we turn our attention outward as well, following God's command to love our neighbor and participate in God's rescue in public ways because the world is incredibly unjust. If you just look at the news headlines, you'll agree. But the promise of God is that God agrees with that. God insists that things are not the way that they're supposed to be, and that is good news. He calls us to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Sometimes those are literal prisons. We've learned about sinful injustices in our criminal justice system. We've raised money to bail people out of jail. You all sent me, along with Sparker Lauren Chan, to serve Syrian, Afghan, and Yazidi refugees trapped in refugee camps in Greece. We showed up to protest child detention, both last summer and this summer, and are continuing to organize to end these cruel policies. And as Pastor Danielle said, even today, this community takes the shape of the people who come. So that's why we serve meals at Project We Hope, thanks to Tom and Tammy. We just wrapped up a donation drive for adoptive and foster families because of Lindsay and her book. We've funded life-saving heart surgeries for children from Gaza and Iraq because of Pamela. We helped settle newly arrived refugee families here in the Bay Area, thanks to Christine. We'll be hosting an event on immigration, thanks to Jesus. And even beyond these church-organized acts of service, we exhort one another daily to do the harder work of reorienting our lives toward justice so that in our day-to-day living, we are practicing acts of rescue constantly. Many of us were drawn to the specific church body because the teaching and community help us to reconcile our calling as followers of Jesus with the daily decisions we have to make, how we spend our time and money, what we do at work, how we raise children, how we interact with others. 
And looking around the room, I'm reminded of all the ways that you hope to bring about God's rescue when you leave this gathering each week. There's Ann and Dan, who come to the rescue of the Addy and Chen's fam- Chen families by taking care of their kids. There's Ray and Winnie, who spend months each year at orphan- an orphanage in China. There's Debbie, who fed us tonight and has cooked and served meals in San Jose in her neighborhood. Shout out to all the counselors and the teachers and the coaches, from Marcus and Kendra to Sarah Grace, Mel, Charlie, Yossi, Dana, Natalie, Barbara, Ivan, Laura, Emma, and so many others who attend to our community's growth and learning. There's Kat, who pushed her company to make ethical changes in the supply source. There's Chris, who serves as a chaplain at local hospitals. And of course, there's Tony, who serves us coffee and a listening ear every week. And countless others of you who spend your days tirelessly raising the next generation, caring for aging family members, caring for the sick, being a good neighbor, standing for justice and compassion in your places of work. You are all inspiring. And you remind me that God is at work everywhere, constantly bringing about acts of rescue. Thank you for being partners in the journey. And last but not least, Patty, come on up. You can share on resurrection. Okay. Um, <clears throat> to tell you how um, Eric and I, what we feel about resurrection, I need to tell you a little bit about our history and about how we found Spark. So we were active members in a mainline church uh, for over 30 years. And I taught second grade Sunday school every week for 22 of those years. Then my son came out as gay in 2015. And we told him we loved him, we accepted him completely, and I began what feels like a master's degree in LGBTQ studies in the Christian church. Now, for a long time before that, I had felt a real disconnect between my understanding of who Jesus is and many ways that the church acted, especially toward the LGBTQ community. And when Johnny came out, and he came out very openly, I knew that I needed to be open and honest with others, and I thought that... Maybe this could be my moment to raise the issue in a really traditional church. And basically, it seemed like every time I shared in a small group that Johnny was gay, we supported him unconditionally, someone else in the group would, remind, would reveal that they also had a child who was LGBTQ. And several times, these were close friends, and they had never shared aloud. And my heart just broke that they had felt that they needed to hide this from close friends and from their church family. And in the meantime, their children felt unloved and unaccepted. How could this be? You know, the church is supposed to be a family, and people are supposed to be ministered to. Why couldn't we have come alongside them and looked at scriptures and showed them more than the six condemning clobber verses? Uh, Aren't we called to shepherd the whole flock, not just 99 of them? So I couldn't just stand by. I told my senior pastor and my family pastor that I was starting a mom's group meeting monthly to pray for our LGBTQ children and to learn more while supporting them. But a year later, we wanted our group to come out of the closet and be advertised in the bulletin. And so that started about two years of meetings with elders, pastors, leaders, everyone else. So in spite of the fact that my group was made up of uh, moms at varying parts, points of their journey of acceptance and affirmation, the leaders always focused on, Patty, what do you feel about homosexuality? And of course, I didn't see it was a sin. I continued to hold tight to scripture, but I understood that every person is created in the image of God, and who they love doesn't change that. So in the end, my church created a 
position paper on marriage as being only between a man and a woman. And anyone who served regularly had to agree to that, and I couldn't. It sure seemed like a lot of work to get rid of one person. But, and I was just trying to support families. Um, and I was a, thought I was a part of this church family. The other thing that really broke my heart was that young adults who come out don't just come out in affirming congregations. They come out everywhere. So now that young adults at my church knew for sure there was no place for them there and what family would tell their story after seeing what had happened to me. So I know the pain and the betrayal that I felt was really small compared to what the LGBTQ community has experienced in churches. But our Jesus is bigger than that. My um, faith journey through all of that was just so rich. I learned so much. Um, It was my journey with the church that was filled with disappointment and betrayal. And I really didn't think I could trust another body of believers. I just thought I was going to be some itinerant Christian. I'd show up at a new church every Sunday, you know, worship, and then just go back home. But then I found Spark about the time of the Justin Lee Preston Sprinkle event. And really, resurrection is the only word for what I've experienced. Every week, there were new signs of hope. When the pastors announced, the table is prepared and everyone is welcome, I believe it. And every week, it brings a lump to my throat. I know that I'm truly welcome, just as is everybody else, no matter where they are or how they identify. When Tom or Tammy or Danielle or Kevin say, we're glad to have you here. I think of my former church being happy that I'm gone. (laughs) This is so different. Um, A door into a whole new world opened when I met with Danielle and shared my story, and she said, how can we support your ministry? And it was just a year before when I met with my pastor at my former church, and he declared, Patty, I'm devastated you're going down this path. So with Danielle, I just felt redeemed. Um, It was a gift that I really didn't feel like I deserved, and I really hadn't imagined it was possible in a church body. Now, my husband Eric had not been engaged with the church for nearly a decade. In fact, church service for him was toxic. He felt nobody cared about his spiritual journey, what he was learning. But at the end of May, I kind of casually said, hey, you want to go with me to Spark? No pressure, just invitation. And not only did he say yes, but on the way home, he said uh, he was going to sign up for Garden to Garden. (laughs) If that's not resurrection, I don't know what is. (laughs) So every, every week, Spark shows us that this is a safe place, and it gives me hope for others. Whether they're LGBTQ, whether they're questioning, whether they have a family member they want to support while their church tells them that that's not possible. Hope for people like Eric, who was discouraged within churches that didn't seem real, that were too programmed and too rigid to allow for questions and exploration and differences of opinions. Hope for people who want to be appreciated as imperfect and unique creations of God. Eric showed me a couple weeks ago a note he had put on his phone. I don't like church, and I won't go to church services, but I love going to and being a part of Spark. When I first read through the core values at Spark, I thought, good, they believe in the resurrection of Christ. But now I know this core value of resurrection just reverberates all the way down to my bones. And it's really caused a rebirth for me and for Eric. 
So thank you, Sparkers. Wow. Oh. Okay. Go, Jesus. All of you, amazing. Hey, um, very quickly, would you please say this, these phrases out loud with us? We'll skip over the references, of course. We believe love works, love wins, and love absolutely changes everything. Being spark means healing our image of God, discovering of God of great repute, and carrying that reputation to the world. Being spark means becoming both restored and a restorer, healed and a healer, mended and a mender, comforted and a comforter, all in being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, the ultimate reconciler. Being spark means being rescued from your Egypt and partnering with God in working towards rescuing others from their Egypts. Being spark means participating in the fullness of the possibility of resurrection and embracing the living hope that new life in Christ brings. I'm going to invite Junior and the team to come on up and um, to close out. Um, we've written a benediction. There's so much more to say, obviously, um, and we're so grateful for you guys' words and your testimonies and the stories. And so Danielle and I would just like to bless you with the, this benediction kind of as a summative thought for us as we close and we head into a party and into dinner. And at the end of each particular portion, there's a place where you can say amen, and we invite you to say amen. May Spark continue to be a people who are inspired to live and love like Jesus. May we embrace and exemplify the way of Jesus in our hearts and in our hands, at home, at work, at play, and at the ballot box. May Jesus be more important than our religion, and may his way be more important than our beliefs. May we follow Jesus and his ways with humility, compassion, and curiosity. Amen. Amen. May we be brave in justice, compassion, and redemption for those in our world who are continually marginalized, victimized, ostracized. May we welcome wholeheartedly the discarded. May we embrace the abused. And may we listen deeply to the voices of those who have been silenced. May we bring the equality of justice by giving up our power and privilege for the full expression of the image of God in our community through women, children, LGBTQ plus persons, black voices, and people of color. Amen. May we continue to be a community that studies, that does not know what we know, but knows that we do not know and finds joy in knowing that we can come to know. May we have the humility to admit when we are wrong, the humanity to correct it, and the curiosity to drive our search for a better understanding of everything. Amen. May we continue to dance, to laugh, to hug, to cry. May we hold each other in honor of the full spectrum of human experiences. May we weep with those who weep and celebrate with those who celebrate, mourn with those who mourn, and hope with those who hope, believing that Jesus is here with us, celebrating, mourning, and holding our faith. Amen. May no tear fall alone, no laughter go unheard. May no one in our church experience the exile of loneliness. May we continue to welcome the cries and footsteps of the littlest amongst us, for they remind us of new life. May we continue to celebrate our students and professionals for their leadership and their innovations. May we continue to honor the older amongst us for their longevity of faithfulness and their depth of wisdom. Amen. May we never become arrogant and impressed with ourselves. 
May we always believe we are but a spark, one illuminated representation of an amazing God whose love and grace and mercy is as wide as the east is from the west. Amen. May we all know the fullness of being a child of God. May we come to know, know in our hearts the depths, in the depths of our being, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love truly is. Amen. May we do all of these things and more because this is the Jesus we follow. A Jesus who challenges the most religious of us and embraces the most broken of us. A Jesus who speaks prophetically for justice and weeps for those who suffer loss. A Jesus who is steeped in his text, his story, his culture, and his heritage. A Jesus who humbled himself even unto death on a cross. This Jesus taught us to love God, our neighbor, ourselves, and our enemies. This Jesus came to set the captives free and bring new life from the grave. This Jesus embodied and incarnated the true God and not some made-in-my-image, self-fabricated version of God. This Jesus is still alive today and at work in this world and in each and every one of us. This Jesus still calls and beckons us, come, follow me. And this Jesus commissions us to go and help others to become followers of me. May we spark, listen, and be inspired to live the way of Jesus. This, dear friends, is our prayer and benediction for the next seven years. Amen. Um, Junior's going to lead us in a song, and as we do every single week, and as Patty referenced, all of you are welcome to the table, wherever you are, because this is a way of expressing that you are all family. So as we sing, we are, invite you to take an element, the bread and the juice, and to take as we commission ourselves into the rest of our party, but it is a way of celebrating and centering ourselves in the person, the life, and the work of Jesus um, together as a community.